invite you to take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. This morning we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, Galatians chapter 3. I want to preach on this subject. The title of the message is The Foolishness of Legalism. Galatians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5, when you find your place, if you're able, I'll ask that you stand so we honor the reading of God's Word. Galatians chapter number 3, verse number 1. And the Word of God says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Let's pray. Once again, Father, we are gathered here. Your word has been read. And Father, we know that your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you bless your word, bless the message. Lord, convict hearts, draw us to you. Lord, save the one that is in desperate need of salvation. Point out their need for a Savior. Lord God, may you be magnified. May you be glorified. Yes, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Legalism is often a term that's being thrown around a lot. Uh, I'm even guilty of using legalism as far as talking about somebody that I might believe is a little too strict on certain things. Uh, I might even, you know, somebody might uh, point out, you know, I, I don't really, you know, usually wear a tie on Sunday nights. Um, and, you know, some people might look at me and, and say, you are uh, not dressed appropriately if you're not wearing a tie on Sunday nights. And I might look at that person and say, well, you're just a legalist. Because there's nothing in the Bible that says I must wear a tie on Sunday nights when I preach. But there's people that have that uh, belief, and then that's fine. They can believe that. It's just not scriptural to say that or to say that I'm in sin for doing that. But I might use the term, well, you're a legalist. And really, in a sense, if I was to say something like that and call somebody that had that view a legalist, I would be wrong. There is, that is not what a legalist is. Amen. A legalist is not somebody that just has a, another standard uh, uh, that you don't have. A legalist is somebody, from the biblical point, a legalist is somebody that tries and say that you can earn merit with God by keeping the law. Amen. And that goes completely against Scripture. In fact, there's two extremes. You can go to one extreme and say, uh, 
legalism. You're saved by the law and the keeping of the law. And so that's what people do. They try and they work their hardest to keep a, a set of rules and a set of uh, instructions and a set of order so that they can earn their favor with God. But then we go to another extreme of that. And people say, no, you're not saved by uh, works. You're saved by grace. And that would be true. But then they would say, so there's no sense in even trying to do anything in accordance with the Word of God. So there's no sense in trying to, or even there's no sense in coming to church. There's no sense in praying. There's no sense in reading the Bible. There's no sense in trying to obey God's law. That is what uh, theologians would refer to as something called antinomianism. You say, what is that? That's, that's a big word. It is. I couldn't spell it if you asked me to. <laughs> But this is what it means. It means to be against the law. So you would, if people would say, well, you must, you don't have to do anything. Once you're saved, you're saved. And you can live like the devil if you wanted to because you were saved. And once again, you go from one extreme to the other. Legalism is not what the Bible teaches. And neither is that big old word, antinomianism. There's a teaching about grace but at the same time that grace endows us with the spirit to strive and to desire to obey God and his word the Galatian church had been instructed in that but they had what was known as Judaizers come in and they were saying, well, that's a good start. You're believing in Jesus. That's a good start. But now there's some other things you've got to be doing if you want to keep that merit with God. You've got to go and the men, you have to be circumcised. You have to uh, go and you have to uh, be washed in these different cleansing ceremonies. You have to do these particular things. And if you don't do these particular things then you will fall out of favor with God and you'll even lose your salvation. Folks, I'm here to tell you that there's even people like that today. Amen. There's people that believe that you can uh, come to Christ and they teach it and they are proud of this doctrine. That you can come to Christ, but yet Christ didn't do it all that you've got to add to the work that Christ has done you've got to take communion some say you've got to be baptized some say now I'm as Baptist as they come but you don't get baptized to keep your salvation Amen. some say you've got to be quote experience of what they call a second blessing and they say you say well, what is what does that mean this this they believe that you experience a second blessing and is a what they call a second work of God on you and that will enable you to speak in tongues and take up serpents and all these different things and until you've experienced that you are not saved that's modern day teaching that's and a lot of it is, Legalism. Amen. To try and keep the law to merit favor with God. I'm here to point out through our Texas morning that 
it is foolishness to try and keep the law for salvation. Amen. In our text, there's three things and three reasons I want us to notice why legalism is foolish. Number one, it denies the work of Jesus Christ. In verse number one, Paul writes to the Galatian church. And remember how we talked about the passion that Paul had in writing this letter? This is the only letter that Paul writes to where he doesn't give any commendation. You see, a lot of churches had a lot of problems, especially Corinth. We also think Corinth had the worst problems of the churches. But even Paul writes to them and commends them for some things. See, they had a few practical things right these things that the Galatians are getting wrong are doctrinal and have specific reference to salvation. He commends them not in this. And so he uses some harsh terms when, when talking to the Galatians. So he writes to them, he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? Right here, he gets at the very heart of the matter. He says, if you are trying to keep the law, he says, it denies the very work of Jesus Christ. He says, when I came to you, he says, that's what I preached. He says, I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, and look at how, how clearly it says that he preached it. It says, O foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth. Listen. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently set have been evidently set forth crucified among you. Now that doesn't mean that they were right there experiencing the the very uh, act of Jesus Christ being crucified. That speaks of Paul coming and with clear words painting a clear picture to the Galatian church that he preached to them Jesus Christ. It's almost as if he's saying that while I was preaching, you could see clearly Jesus Christ being crucified. As I was preaching, it's as if you could hear the, the nails going through his hands. It was so clear to you that I preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. He preached Jesus as the Son of God, validated by all the many miracles that he had performed. John writes, and he talks about all the miracles and the works that Jesus did. And he says the reason he did that, and the reason he broke those things down, was so that you could believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Son of God. That's what all the miracles and all the great works that Jesus did were pointing to and being the evidence of. That he was the son of God sent down to earth to take on the form of man. To live among us. To live a perfect life as the son of God. But as he also preached, I'm sure he preached of not just him being the son of God. But then also he would have to preach that he was the lamb of God. Remember John the Baptist Oh, wouldn't you have loved to be John the Baptist, to be the one that when Jesus Christ comes up to the to the Jordan River and he looks out and he's he's preaching, and he's saying, he's saying, there's coming one after me whose whose shoes I'm not, I'm not able to, to untie. And then he looks and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. That's what Paul preached to him. 
the Lamb of God. And as the Lamb of God, he had to be perfect. Remember the priest would take the, the lamb that was being crucified on the Passover day. And they would examine it for, for several days, actually. And they would look at it. They would make sure there wasn't any imperfections or impurities. You know, in a sense, that's what the Pharisees were doing. And the Sadducees and the scribes. Every time Jesus would, would come up and they were there, they would, they would question him, trying to catch him on something, but they couldn't catch him on anything. They examined his life, and his life was found to be sinless. He was perfect. But they didn't just speak of him being a sinless lamb, but he would also speak of him being a slaughtered lamb. Look in our text. It says, before whose, uh, whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, listen, crucified among you. He says, Jesus Christ, he says, was slaughtered on the cross. He died on the cross. Why? Because he was the perfect sacrifice to take away the sins of mankind. And so Paul says, I clearly preached this to you. This was something that you could, uh, it was almost as if you were there as I was preaching. And now for you to turn away, he says, this is senseless. He calls them foolish. The word senseless means to use it, means that they fail to use their spiritual intelligence. It's not that they were stupid. The, the Galatians weren't stupid. They just failed to use the, uh, their spiritual intelligence. They failed to remember Paul's teaching. And, of course, the reason they failed to remember Paul's teaching is because these Judaizers were coming in, contradicting Paul and calling Paul to task, saying that he wasn't really an apostle. Basically, what they were doing, they were, they were uh, back in the first century, this would have been the equivalent of uh, falsifying God's word and twisting God's word. Paul said this, Paul, the man who's sent by God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and said, oh, Paul said that? You can't listen to Paul. He wasn't really an apostle. He, he was called sometime, Matthias was the one, but not Paul. So he calls them senseless because they failed to heed his words. As the very words of God. And they ended up being seduced. It says he asked the question. Who hath bewitched you? It means they were charmed. Or they were misled. It doesn't mean that they were put under a spell. Like we might think. But it means that they were just misled. They were misled into thinking. That they could earn their salvation. Or merit some type of. Favor of God. You know, it stands true today. You preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the grace of Jesus Christ. And people hear that and they think to themselves, it can't be that simple. It can't be just to put faith in Jesus. He, he forgives you of all. There's got to be more to it. And so what does legalism do? Legalism appeals to your pride. A legalism teaches you that, hey, you can do it. Your Man, who doesn't like to make some type of accomplishment? 
I mean, who doesn't like to, to be able to do something and then be able to, man, brag about it? Look what I did. It appeals to their pride. It appeals to them being able to say, look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. I have accomplished so much. I have accomplished my own salvation. And also in a lot of our, what we would call legalistic churches, and I'm using legalistic in that form where it does mean you try and earn your way into heaven. Just think about the, the way I, the way that all the pomp and circumstance that goes into their worship services. I must take the, the Catholic church, for instance. Man, they've got it beautiful in their churches. I used to work for a funeral home. I've been in several Catholic churches. And, and, as, I, and as I would go in there, man, they've, they've got gold statues everywhere. They've got the uh, pomp of the priest and... Uh, I believe they call it a deacon that assists the priest in doing the, the works of the, uh, the, uh, the at the altar. I remember being at one uh, service and the priest and the deacon would stand in the back and uh, the time would come, they start, and, and man, the, the, the priest would, would lead the way or the deacon would lead the way and he'd have the, that, that incense on the chain swinging back and forth and causing all that smell to come into the to the room it smelled good <laughs> but then they would go and they would have a bell ring the bell would ring and when that bell would ring that would be uh, the what they would believe was the turning of the the bread and the wine into the very body and blood of Jesus Christ I remember the lead funeral director saying one time he said man he said he's I love the ritual that goes on with the Catholic Church. And so it appeals to people. Yes. It's very appealing. So people, they look and they, they see where, where us Baptists, man, we just come in and, and we sing a few songs, we hear a message, and, and, we, and we leave. That, and they look at that and it's like, man, that's so boring. There's got to be more to it than just that. And so they go and they, they're like, man, we love the, the pomp and we love the circumstance, uh, uh, the pomp and, and, and circumstance of the whole operation that they do. We, we love that. It seems more, it seems more liturgical and they would even use the phrase maybe even worshipful about it. So they are very appealing. So these Judaizers appeal to their flesh to say, man, you started off with Jesus. Now you've got to do some things and you can do it. You can do these things. And the reason that Paul gets so upset about this is because to accept legalism as a means of salvation is to deny the very work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Legalism is foolish because it denies the work that Christ did. If you could earn your way into heaven, then why did Christ die? Amen. But number two, not only does it deny the work of Christ, but it also denies the work of of the Holy Spirit. 
In verse number two, he says, this only what I learn of you. He's asking a question. It's as if he's saying, let me ask you this. T- tell me this. You, you have the answer to this. I, I want you to tell me. This only what I learned of you. Receive you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. In other words, he's saying, how did you get saved? How did the Holy Spirit come to you? Was it through faith? Did it come and, and did the Holy Spirit come and, and indwell you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ? And by the way, that's something that we would refer to as uh, justification. It's the very act of God justifying us. The moment he justifies us is the moment that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. If you turn a couple of pages over in your Bible to the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse number 13, Paul writes to them and he says, And this is the order in which salvation happens. This is the order in which you receive the Holy Spirit of God. He says, In whom... Also, you trusted, speaking of Christ, he says, in whom you trusted of Christ, after that you heard the word of truth. After you heard the gospel, you were saved, you trusted in Christ. And it says, in whom also that you believed, listen, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When did the Holy Spirit come and and indwell the, the believers? After they believed. What is belief? It's faith. After they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came in and indwelt them. And he asked them, he says, when did you receive the Spirit? Was it when you first believed in Christ? Or was it when you started going through all these rituals and and, uh, and ceremonies? When was it? He says, he asks this question again. Look, at he uses the word foolish. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? In other words, he's saying, don't you realize how silly and senseless it is to think that you were being just, that you were justified by the spirit? That now you can add to what the Spirit is doing in you? He has this contrast here. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? It's an implication that the flesh is much weaker than the Spirit, and it is. We cannot do anything apart from the Spirit of God, especially if it is towards our, our walk with God. Paul writes later, he says, Walk ye in the Spirit, that ye not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Spirit of God has come and set you apart, sanctified you, working in you. The Holy Spirit works in us to continuously make us more and more like Christ. We are set apart. And we're sanctified. Justification in verse number two. Sanctification in verse number three. This constant working of the Holy Spirit within us. He says in verse four, have you suffered so many things in vain? In other words, have you went through all this stuff in vain? You've you've endured ridicule. 
You've experienced the mighty workings of God. Was it all in vain? Was it all pointless and useless because of your legalism that you've now fallen back into? But yet, as he preaches to him and writes this letter to him, he, he doesn't lose hope. He says, have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? In other words, he's still saying, look, you can denounce this legalism. You can denounce trying to earn your favor with God. Denounce all this stuff that the Judaizers are trying to teach you and just turn back to God in faith and say, Lord, God work in me. I believe that's what's wrong with a lot of uh, churches and church members. We've, we've tried to do so much stuff in the flesh. We've forgotten what it's like to live by faith. We look around and we see, man, the, the, the church isn't full. The church, what happened to everything? Listen, you're looking around and you're saying to yourself, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Listen, we just need to be faithful to God and let Him build His church. Amen. We need to be faithful to God and let Him work in us. <coughs> we'll never get anywhere trying to outrun God. And just be faithful to him because he is faithful to us. Legalism is foolish because it denies the work of the Son and it denies the work of the Holy Spirit. Then lastly, it's foolish because it denies the work of the Father. Verse number 5. He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it. By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. This speaks of the Father working through his church with the through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says he's ministering to you the Spirit. He's giving you the Spirit. And he's working miracles among you. Those miracles could be some type of miraculous event that has taken place, such as seeing somebody healed, brought back to life. As would have been uh, some cases in these days, the uh, the Spiritual gifts still being in full effect here. So all these miracles take place. How did he do it? Was it because of your working of the law or because of your faith? Then again, it could also speak of a spiritual power over Satan and sin. Fear. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Paul says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church uh, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. In other words, he's saying he's been working among you. Why was he doing it? Was it because you were so faithful to keep these ceremonies or try to keep these ceremonies? Remember when Jesus would go into a town and the Bible says that he'd be unable to do miracles because of their lack of faith? 
he was in towns where they, there were faithful Jews that, man, they were keeping the law, were they not? Or on the outside, maybe it looked like. They were going through all the rituals and all the ceremonies, but he couldn't work in them because of their faithlessness. That's what's being taught here. He says, when God was working miracles among you, why was it? Was it because you were doing stuff to try and earn favor with him? Or was it because you were faithful? And you were putting your faith in a holy God. This morning we expect God to work in our lives. Of our family. Of our church. In our own personal lives. We want God to move and make us to be better people. Better witnesses for him. But yet, we're not living by faith. And we're not living in the Spirit. We're living in sin and we expect to come to church on Sundays and and say amen and, and pray and read the Bible and listen to the sermon preached. And we expect, well, God will... Overlook all these things because, well, I went to church on Sunday. Once again, legalism, trying to earn favor with God through works. You're sadly mistaken. God doesn't overlook sin just because you did something for him. Let's remind ourselves God doesn't need us to do anything for him. You see, the Christian life is a supernatural life. The Christian life is a supernatural life that is to be lived by faith and in the Spirit. The works of the law, all that is fleshly. We are to work and live in the Spirit. To do contrary would be to rob the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of the glory it so rightly deserves. We're overcomers in Christ. Not because of the works that we perform, but because of our faith that is in Him. The Galatian church had fallen back into legalism. Had fallen into trying to earn favor with God. God didn't want their works. He wanted their faith. This morning God. Doesn't want us to try and earn favor with him. He says, just come to me in faith and I'll pour out my favor upon you. Spiritual blessings. Paul writes to the Ephesians. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. This morning, let us examine ourselves. How are we walking with Christ? 
Are we walking and we're against the law, the antinomians that, well, I'm saved by grace, so I'm just going to go and I'm going to do whatever I want to, and which to a point that's not bad unless you want to indulge yourself in sin. And then you ask yourself, who am I really serving? Are you going to go the other way? The legalistic way and say, I'm going to earn favor with God. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to come to church. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to read the Bible. Good for you. I want to pray until I'm blue in the face. Wish we could all do that. But let me tell you this. That will not gain you one inch closer to heaven. Amen. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. That's what you worked for. You're trying to work your way into heaven by keeping the law and keeping certain commandments. Those wages will lead to death. That's what your wage is. That's what you earn. You don't earn merit with God. You earn death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. And how do you get that? Through faith. Put your faith in Jesus. He'll get you to heaven. He'll get you through all these trying times that come that you go through. The troublesome times, the hard times, the sad times. You'll only overcome by faith in Him. As we stand to our feet, we'll have our final hymn. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast. I hope you'll join us again next time with Rick Clark Ministries.